grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The text that's the basis for our sermon this morning is the epistle reading from Romans chapter 13 that Pastor Thomas read just a few moments ago. So this past Friday, September 8th, a new song dropped. The Lutheran hip-hop artist Flame dropped the single 1525. The lyrics of this song help to teach about the peasants' revolt and about Anabaptists as well. And when I knew that Romans 13 was going to be the epistle reading for today, I just couldn't help but to preach on this text. And so if you're not familiar with the Peasants' Revolt, let me give you a little bit of background. At this point in history, in 1525, the Reformation is in full swing. Luther is feverishly writing. He's defending those writings, and many of those are what today you and I would call bestsellers. All this with the help of a guy named Gutenberg and his printing press. One of the writings that Luther published was called On Christian Freedom. We might be familiar with some quotes from this work, maybe even this one right here. The Christian individual is a completely free Lord of all, subject to none. Luther here was highlighting the beauty of the gospel in Christ Jesus. That because of his sacrifice for us on the cross, we have been freed from sin and death and the devil. That we do indeed walk around as free people of God, living in the sure and certain hope of the resurrection and looking forward to a beautiful eternity in his presence. The people of Luther's day... They were familiar with this work too. And for centuries, the peasant class had borne the weight of society, all of its burdens on their shoulders. The nobles had passed arbitrary laws. They would change them without warning to keep the peasants down in where they were. If you think that working two jobs is something new in the course of history, it's certainly not. To say that the peasants were unhappy is actually kind of an understatement. And to be fair, when they published their list of 12 demands, they had legitimate grievances. And early on, Luther even endorsed their cause as he charged the noble classes to deal fairly with the peasants, to treat them fairly. But the peasants ended up taking things into their own hands. In this work on Christian freedom... They found fuel for the fire inside of them. They they felt now that Christian freedom meant being subject to no authority on earth. And they saw in the gospel the freedom to rise up. And so taking up arms, they captured and looted castles and noblemen's houses all throughout Germany, as well as regions of France and northern Italy. Luther vehemently condemned their actions But their numbers continued to grow until they were nearly 300,000 strong. It was actually the largest revolt in Europe until the French Revolution came on a few hundred years later. Of that 300,000, it all ended in defeat as nearly 100,000 of them would fall. For the peasants, Luther's writing was justification 
It was a, a teaching that undergirded their cause, that justified this armed insurrection. And as they did this, it seems they might have forgotten the second half of that quote that I read just a few moments ago, and much of the rest of the writing. The second half goes like this. The Christian individual is a completely dutiful servant of all, subject to all. In more than one place in Scripture, we see support for this assertion that Luther made in his writing. Though the peasants miss this whole picture, our epistle for today, Romans chapter 13, highlights God's desire for his people living in this world on this side of his return. This passage illustrates the truth of what it means to live in freedom as a Christian, both Lord of all and subject to all simultaneously. And it has to do with being in a right relationship, brothers and sisters in Christ. Being in right relationship, that is God's desire. That's living the most fully human life possible. In Christ Jesus, his blood, all sin was atoned for. In baptism, you were claimed as his forgiven child. And the relationship that you have with him is made right by his sacrifice solely on his account. But that also includes a right relationship with your neighbor, too. Loving and serving God by loving and serving your neighbor, by submitting to those authorities that God has put in place, even when we'd rather not obey those authorities that are in place. Essentially all boiling down to following that first commandment. And that's it. When we look at God's word and when we unpack his desire for our lives, that's it. So what are the specifics here in Romans chapter 13 that God is saying about his desire for our relationships in the world to authorities? Well, God's intent in this creation is that we live peaceably, as peaceably as possible. And to facilitate that, God set up structures, if you will. He's placed governments in authority. And when I teach about this in confirmation or in Bible study, we talk about the doctrine of the two kingdoms or the doctrine of the two realms, if you will. The earthly kingdom being that kingdom or realm of the left. And that realm, that kingdom is here to bear the sword. In other words, to bring about justice in the land. That's the institution of government. It doesn't belong to a specific person. There's not a, a mayor or a governor or a president or a king or queen somewhere. It's actually the office. And the end of that office in God's eye is to enact and enforce laws that are just. Laws that promote peace. That's it. That's the kingdom of the left. The church's job then, brothers and sisters in Christ, is the proclamation of the gospel. That's it. The church exists in both the kingdom of the left and the kingdom of the right, or the spiritual kingdom, as we'll call the kingdom of the right. 
But the church brings the law and the gospel to the people. It reminds them of the grace, the mercy, the forgiveness that we have in Christ. The church proclaims the word of God and rightly administers his sacraments. At the same time, the church exists in both the left-hand kingdom and the right-hand kingdom. We have real property. We have very real bills to pay. We live in a municipality that has laws, it has ordinances that we must follow. But God's in charge, right? So how exactly does this all fit together? Well, as followers of Christ, you too live in both realms simultaneously. You live in God's kingdom of the right. You are a Christian individual, a completely free Lord of all, subject to none. Freed from the powers of sin and death and the devil, you are free in Christ. At the same time, the second half of Luther's quote fully applies. You are a Christian individual, a completely dutiful servant of all, subject to all. Because you and I have been freed not for ourselves, but for our neighbor. And that means being a good citizen. That means obeying the law, even if you really don't want to. Even if you really don't like that law. Things like, you should drive the speed limit. You should put your cell phone down while you drive. You should truthfully report your earnings on that income tax statement. Being a dutiful servant of all means following those laws. And I can see the wheels turning out there as I look across the congregation. Some of you are thinking about Acts 5.29, we must obey God rather than man. You don't have to nod your head. I know that popped up in some of your heads. True. There may come a time when that left-hand kingdom asks or requires you to violate one of God's laws, one of his ordinances, and in that case, yes, obey God rather than men. But know this, that when we violate the law of the land, when we violate the ordinances set forth by the authorities that God has put in place, we still suffer the consequences the repercussions of our actions. This is something that we see throughout Scripture in the early church as God's evangelists go out. Or in the Old Testament, as the prophets go out and speak, and they receive persecution for obeying the law of God, for proclaiming his gospel. Some of them being jailed, some of them being beaten, and some of them losing their lives. Sound easy? Not in the least. But brothers and sisters in Christ, you should rejoice in this. Because you and I live in the sure and certain hope of the resurrection. We are heirs to the greatest promise ever given. And we live in a place that no matter how good it seems at any moment, is going to pale in comparison to what is coming in the age to come. 
And so as we live our lives, we do so steeped in this promise. And we live our lives joyfully. We can live serving, knowing that God's kingdom, it extends even over the kingdom of the left. It is all his. And so when that speed limit's a little bit slower than you think it should be, we can take our foot off the gas pedal. When that new law is enacted that says cell phone use and driving aren't compatible, we can put it down. Spoiler alert, they're not. I mean, plus there is a little comfort in not being pulled over on the way home from church, right? When there's that person, we can show respect to them. Even if we don't think that they deserve the respect, we can still show it to them. As his people, we are a living testimony to his goodness. Freed by him, it is our Christian duty, brothers and sisters in Christ, to live as dutiful servants of all, as good citizens, whether we feel like it or not. God's desire for our lives is that we live the most fully human life possible, which unequivocally puts him first. Walking as his people means both walking free and forgiven and walking subject to those authorities that God has established. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, the life everlasting. Amen.